0: Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker. I'm an author, producer, two-time Emmy Award winner, and host of That Girl, the Podcast. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and stories to help you become that girl or that guy in your life. That Girl, the Podcast is based on the romantic comedy, That Girl, a Novel, which is now available as a podcast to listen to. Listen to each chapter about finding yourself and adulting in L.A., Find That Girl a Novel everywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also find it on Amazon to buy the Kindle or paperback of. For more, find us at thatgirlthepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at That the Podcast and our Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Welcome Amber Gustafson to That Girl the Podcast. Um, this is an impromptu podcast. It really is. This is our third take now of an impromptu <laughs> podcast. Um, You were referred to me by a dear friend, Melissa Vine, who came on and talked all about narcissism. And she was like, you two should meet and talk about advocacy work. And so originally, we were just going to do a Zoom, you and I talking, and then you started talking about yourself. And I was like, wait, wait, we're going to talk about you in a podcast because you sound amazing and I don't want to miss this. So please tell people who you are and what you do. And we're all going to learn about you. As we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for asking me to do this. I, um, you know, just, I kind of came in from going for a walk outside and um, kind of a busy day today, but um, I'm in the Midwest and so kind of hot and sweaty outside. But, anyways, um, I'm Amber Gustafson. I'm from Ankeny, Iowa. So it's right in the middle of the state, north of our main capital city of Des Moines. And um, so, I, you know, kind of when we started our conversation, you kind of asked me, you know, how, how would you describe yourself? And I said, you know, I think the word I would use to describe myself is advocate. Um, I'm an advocate on a lot of issues, but also on behalf of people, um, you know, particularly women, kids, families, um, you know, working folks, that sort of thing, um, people that I really care about. And so, um, I really got my start with, um, advocacy work as a volunteer for moms demand action for gun sense in America, um, which was a group that was started by a suburban mom from Indianapolis named Shannon Watts. Um, and that was created right after the Sandy Hook tragedy. And so I was one of the first, you know, few folks to join the organization in those first few weeks and months after, um, Sandy Hook happened and, and, um, you know, my volunteer and advocacy work through moms has really helped me to build a network of fellow badass women all across the United States, um, who really support and encourage one another. And, um, that has really helped me to find my inner badass so that I can, uh, you know, continue to advocate whether it is on behalf of the gun violence prevention movement, um, which that work continues obviously, but then, um, you know, to step up into larger challenges like running for state legislature in 2018 and then, um, jumping in with both feet to graduate school, um, for a master's degree in, um, communication, public policy, and advocacy, and then who knows where the, um, you know, where the rainbow will take me next. So, um, yeah, so it's been a a real... It's been a real journey of stepping into who I really am as a person. And that has been um that has been so great. It's such an honor to, you know, what is it? Dolly Parton says, figure out who you are and be a good one. Oh, and so yeah. I love her so much. I know. She <laughs> so the best yeah, things.
0: I know. I think what's really And again, like I'm literally getting to know you as we're talking right now. I think what I'm so attracted to and what Melissa saw in the both of us is that, you know, it sounds like you were just a woman who was like, there's a problem here and I just want to help. I just want to fix it. And that's certainly where I'm coming from with the advocacy work that I'm starting to do. But, you know, I'm in the very infant stages of it. Um when you want to start getting involved what did you do to start doing that and and what was the cause was it was it sandy hook was it gun prevention was there a moment where you're like i can't sit still i have to yeah. do something
1: yeah i mean for me it was i mean i had never done any type of advocacy work i mean i'd always kind of been interested in that sort of thing and mm-hmm. and how government works and politics and current events and all that kind of stuff but i'd never really done anything I grew up in I grew up on a farm in southwest Iowa, first person in my family to go to college, you know, grew up in a family of people that owned guns. My husband and I are gun owners and so after seeing but my perspective on the issue really changed with Sandy Hook because More than identifying as a gun owner, I identified as the mom of a child that was the same age as those first graders. And that school building looked just like my kids' school building. I mean, I was like doing the laundry and making Christmas cookies. And I was just about to hop in the car and go pick up my kids from that school that looked just like Sandy Hook. Mm -hmm. And so my identity changed in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it became more about, you know, protecting my kids. And so I... (laughs) <laughs> went to this is such a suburban mom thing I, so that happened january 14th 2012 and then in or i mean December 14th 2012 and then in January that following January I went to a scrapbooking meeting or scrapbooking weekend um, at a hotel yes yes so you I went did a suburban mom. <laughs> <laughs> And I was sitting there at the, at the scrapbooking table talking with my other friends. And like, I have one friend who has a biracial, has two biracial sons and, you know, another friend that's, you know, she and her husband are gun owners. And, you know, this is kind of this microcosm of, of moms. And we're just talking through this and we're trying to figure out how are we going to do this? What, you know, all this sort of thing. And I think what kind of at the same time as what Shannon Watts was thinking we were thinking the same thing, which is that there's this vast resource of untapped power within moms and suburban mm-hmm. women and women in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, obviously we didn't come up with any ideas and I didn't know anything about organizing or Facebook or, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so a few weeks later I was listening to a podcast, God bless podcasts. I'll do anything That's from a right. podcast because <laughs> I think you are going to save the world. But... Yes. <laughs> But um, I was listening to a podcast and this woman came on and she started talking about, you know, you know, Shannon Watts had 75 Facebook friends when she started a Facebook page. She at the time called it a million moms um, for gun control. Um, It it ended up changing obviously the name, but she created this Facebook page and kind of closed up her laptop and went away and thought, well, you know, well, we'll see what happens. And she came back and it was like a hundred (gasps) thousand people had liked this page because there was energy. And she was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So we've got to do something with this. And so, mm-hmm. um, so anyways, I, I heard her telling that story and I thought, I don't know anything about this organization. I don't know who these people are, but I reached out within 24 hours, I got a phone call from the organization And they said, so this would have been in like May, I think, or so. And they said, hey, we're in July, we're going to um, Denver for a national conference. Do you want to come? Sight unseen, didn't know any of these women, didn't know anything about this organization. I was like, yep, I'm there. And so went to, you know, went to Denver for their very first national organization meeting, which was like 80 people. Now it's over like Three thousand um, that go to the annual meeting, and so um, you know, and that really was like the genesis of of it all. And I think the greatest thing about it was is from the very beginning, we really emphasized strength in numbers, and that and the power that is within each one of us individually, and then when we come together, um, you know, we can create change. And so um, it's just been you know, there've been bumps along the road. There've been challenges for sure. But, um, but it's just been such a fantastic journey for me. And it's like a million dollars worth of education in oh, organizing and advocacy and
0: yeah. And now you're going back for your master's yeah. and how far along are you? I
1: have one class this summer and my capstone next fall. And then I'm done. I graduate in uh-huh. December. That's so so I literally was like brushing my teeth last or not, not this past winter, but the winter after I ran for office, I ran for <laughs> office in November. And then the following, like January, February, I'm like, Hmm, I should go to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I'm, like brushing my teeth and I'm like on my phone, signing up for grad school just because I'd always yeah. wanted to do it. And I was like, you know what? There's no time like the present. And so, yeah, so I jumped in. That's kind of how I do a lot of things. I just kind of jump in and then, you know, That's kind of I am. Yeah, let, the, let the chips fall because I think yeah. it's really easy to overanalyze and, yeah. you know, and so sometimes you just have to like jump in and kind of learn as you go.
0: I cannot agree more. That is exactly how I live my life. I am absolutely the doer kind of a person where I'm like, if I just want to do something, I just do it. I, there's mm-hmm. no reason why you can't figure it out as you're going. And it does, I mean, it's the school of life. Like if you really want to learn something, like you're going to learn it that way. But I also love higher education too. Mm -hmm. Um, and like in that process, but so tell me about running for office. So at what point were you, so you started in 2012 with advocacy Mm -hmm. and then by 2018, you're like, I'm running for office. Um, kind of tell me how you were like coming up to that. Like what came into your head like okay it's time I think it's time
1: yeah well I would say that you know with moms demand action the you know from the very beginning they told us listen we probably are not going to get what we want with the people that we currently have in office so you know that old saying of you know if you can't change your people change your people so (laughs) they set the bar from the very beginning at that very (laughs) first conference that we went to in Denver they were like look to your left look to your right look at yourself you're all going to run for office so buckle up. (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, it wasn't like that much of a high pressure, but it was just, it was very much like, you know, if you've ever thought about it or even if you haven't thought about it, start considering it now. There's um, research, I think, that shows that on average, women have to be asked seven times to run for office. And so they were, yeah. So, So everyone listening to this podcast, if you've been asked before, here's another ask. I'm asking you to run right now please run. We need more women to run. We need more women in office, school boards, city councils, commissions, um, even running within your own political party, whatever that might be, um, get involved because that's how change happens. We do not have enough women in our state legislatures or in Congress. Um, we lag the rest of the world when it comes to, uh, female representation, which is pretty embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, we can do a lot better and, you know, When we get more women involved, it changes the conversation around, I mean, things like making sure that women who are in prison don't have to pay for feminine hygiene products. What? They do? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They have to pay. So like they have to have their family members deposit money into their commissary in order. And it's changed in different states, but, you know, or like in Iowa, up until last year, we had, we had to pay taxes on diapers, um, Uh, urinary incontinence supplies and feminine hygiene products. Wow. So, you know, like that's a, that's a bipartisan issue. That's something that's like yeah. where the rubber meets the road for women. And we can have these conversations because believe me, men are not thinking about the price of diapers for the most no. part. I don't like to right. generalize, but for the <laughs> most part, men are not thinking about the price of diapers. They're not thinking about, you know, um, how expensive a box of tampons is or, you know, whatever. And so, um, yeah, so this is, these are the changes that we can bring about when we have more women and, and, Much larger issues too that you know pertain very much to women's health like you know um we have a crisis of maternal mortality for black Mm -hmm. women in this country Mm so you know there's um you know again like i said if you know any women listening to this podcast this is me asking you consider running for office so um my process in in deciding was um I kind of looked around, and I realized that no one else was going to do it, so it was up to me, and so um, like a fool, I suppose, in in many ways, I, there again, you know, just kind of jumped off the cliff and hoped the parachute would open. I decided to go ahead and run against the president of the Senate. It's like the second-ranking member in the... (laughs) (laughs) caucus <laughs> <for it in laughs> so like the third or fourth most powerful person in state government um yeah and but no one had ever run against him before and nice um time. yeah so i was like okay i think he's i think he's beatable i think he's um you know i don't think people like him as much as he thinks he does or, or he, as he thinks they do because he's never had an opponent so mm-hmm. you know and um Yeah. And it was, it was tough because there were a lot of people that were like, oh, you silly girl, you can't do that. You can't run against, you know, someone who's that powerful or who is, you know, he was, he had played football at Iowa state and he blah, 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 you know, mm. uh, which that was something that people said to me when I would knock on their door, they'd say, Oh, well, I have to vote for him. He played football for Iowa state. I also attended Iowa state and was on scholarship. I did not play football though, because that's not an option for me. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 but whatever, <laughs> if I could have played football, I would have. So whatever. Right. But, um, so, yeah, and I just kind of jumped in, you know, um, we were really fortunate that we have a good organized group of, um, Democrats here in our community that were able to support me, um, and help me get organized to run. I had a ton of support from Moms Demand Action, um, in just in the sense that like of local volunteers and I had volunteered for several campaigns before I ran. So I kind of had a sense of, you know, what it was all about, but even still really nothing prepares you for the actual process of running for office. And so, um, you know, I learned a lot. And so at the end of the day I came 960 votes or 2.7% away from beating him. Wow. Which is unheard of for a first time candidate to run that strongly against an incumbent in the majority. So, um, and, and raised a lot of money. So, you know, it was, it was, I have, I, I sat down and I made a list of everything that I wanted to accomplish by running. And the last thing on the list was winning. So I accomplished everything that I wanted to, except for that last one, but yeah. you know, maybe I'll get another shot.
0: Um, I definitely think you'll have another shot. Um, what I love about this is it's so inspiring to me and it just, it, I mean, the wheels are just turning right now. Um, and I I don't want to talk too much about, you and I will talk after the podcast, but I don't want to talk too much about what I'm doing in the podcast, but it's just so inspiring to be like, you could come from no public policy background, no political background whatsoever. And that's me. Absolutely. I was told like growing up, like, you know, you'd be such a pretty politician's wife. And I thought, yeah, okay. Like that might be fun. And I never thought, well, maybe I should run. And I still feel like so many women kind of feel that way. Like we're seeing a little bit more representation, and that's great. But it still feels like, oh gosh, how I mean, especially if you've never done anything in this world before, yeah. it feels very overwhelming. But what I'm hearing is that having the the backing of all of the women behind you and all of the experience behind you. Like, I'm absolutely just like you. Like, I would run against him too. I'd be like, I don't care. I've never done this. Like, I know that I can do this. And Mm -hmm. even though you didn't win, you basically did win. You Mm -hmm. know, you won everything that you wanted to win on except the actual winning thing. And you were so close, which just means that this is about just changing minds and you already are, which Mm -hmm. is so inspiring to me. Um, Because now when I think about like the future, There are so many things opening up that I'm like, wow, I did not see that coming. Like, if you had asked me Mm -hmm. a year ago, would you be thinking about the things you're thinking about? I'd be like, absolutely not. Like, not even close. And I feel like maybe that's how this happens. Like, you just see a problem and you think, I can do something. I can actually do something about this. Like, the problem that I'm advocating for has nothing to do with me at this moment it could in the future Mm -hmm. but it isn't about me it's about Mm -hmm. the women that it's affected and helping them and preventing other women from having that happen to and that's that's advocacy right like that's what real advocacy is I don't use the word activist either because it's such a loaded term and I don't Mm -hmm. even know what that means anymore I'm like I'm confused (laughs) so (laughs) um okay so Talk, so you have a couple of different areas of advocacy work. Um obviously I'm I'm a huge women's supporter kind of all women everything um and children. What um are you focusing on at this very moment that's really oh lighting gosh. you on fire? <laughs> oh,
1: I feel like it changes from day to day. So um, I think probably the biggest um thing that, you know, the, big, the biggest amount of my effort in my day goes to a political action committee that I created um, with some other folks from across the state um, to work on flipping our governor's seat. So um, the governor of the state of Iowa has really done a terrible job on COVID mitigation. Um, she's misused federal money. Um, she passed a law to force schools to reopen. To you know, override uh, local school boards. Um, she uh, did away with our mask mandate in the middle of the night. So, like kids went to bed. You know, like like they, that day they went to school masks were required. They went to bed that night, woke up the next morning and masks could not be required in schools. And so like, they literally went to school and kids that chose to wear masks, got their masks ripped off their faces. There were fights in school. Um, it was just absolute utter chaos 10 days before the end of the school year. Um, so just a real lack of, um, lack of decent leadership, lack of character in our governor. And, um, it's really, um, it's really unfortunate because the people of the state deserve better. And so, um, you know, rather than, rather than, um, governing with a certain amount of, um, decorum and consideration for all sides of an issue, just a, a, a leader that's really leaning hard into conspiracy theories and, um, misinformation and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, there was a group of us that were in a Twitter chat and, um, I said, we've got to do something about this. Um, there's, you know, no candidate has come forward yet to run against her. Um, and so we need to be mobilizing. We need to be raising money. We need to be getting messages out there. Um, um, the party is not ready to do it yet. The um, candidates aren't ready to do it yet. So there's a window of opportunity and we need to step into it. And so that's exactly what we did. And so um, we created this political action committee first of its kind um, in the state. And um, so, yeah, so we're working on a lot of voter information because Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all across the United States media is very siloed. We all have our, you know, specific types of media or, you know, news information that we like to, um, rely on and, um, the rural parts of Iowa are certainly not immune to that. And so it's very, um, very limited in terms of um, opposing viewpoints that folks out in, you know, outside of the metro areas actually hear about what's happening in Des Moines. They kind of only hear one side of the story. And so we're working on trying to push messages out into what we call micropolitan areas. So they're like those second tier sized cities mm-hmm. and um, to get information to um, college educated Women, especially, um, and young men, um, about what's actually happening in Des Moines and, um, how it's really affecting them. So that's kind of a big thing that we're doing right now.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, it is so true. It's, there's too much information and there's a lack of information and there's a lack of bias. Just it's, it's all over the place and it depends on where you are and what you're listening to and what you're getting mm-hmm. fed into your feed and mm-hmm. what's really real and what's not. Um, I love that you're doing that. <laughs> what do you think makes someone a movement maker? Like someone who wants to create a movement and start pulling people together. Do you think that people are born that way? Do you think they become that way? Do you think there's there's something inherently in them? What do you think activates that?
1: Um, I think it's really, it really comes down to passion for an issue. Um, that's what I've seen in the women that I have seen step up to the plate. Um, You know, I think of Shannon Watts again, you know, as a perfect example, because she's a, she would be the first to tell you she's a very introverted person. Mm -hmm. Um, She, you know, does not get her jollies off of public speaking. She doesn't like to be the tip of the spear. She, you know, like that, it would not be on her list of of things to do, but there's this point at which um, the, the fear of loss, the sorrow and the, um, grief over what has happened supersedes anything, um, that would hold you back. And so mm-hmm. just, just this morning, um, one of the things that we're looking at is school board races. Um, there's been a lot, just a lot of turmoil around school boards this year because of COVID policies and, um, what they call like divisive concepts or critical race theory and you know different things like that a lot of people that are trying to make hay and use it as a platform for larger office and different things and so um you know so we're organizing in our community to help support good science-based um school board candidates to keep local control and all of that sort of thing um and a friend of mine who has been very close to advocacy work for la- the last several election cycles said you all are going to be proud of me because this time I'm knocking doors. So like the frustration that she has had, the fear, um, the grief over what has happened. I mean, we lost three school school employees um, or school district employees to COVID. Um, you know, so the grief and, um, the tragedy of it has motivated her and has pushed her to, um, get outside of that comfort zone. And now, you know, is she ever going to run for office? Probably not, but just, you know, opening up a door and talking to somebody about an issue that you're passionate about is really where a lot of that starts. It starts with talking with your friends and family. It starts with, um, sharing your opinion on social media, which yes, social media is clogged with opinions (laughs) and some of them are garbage, but, um, you know, if we don't have good people, um, engaging on these topics, then we lose the ability to have civil fact-based conversations. And so, you know, we need people to engage and, um, you know, it doesn't have to become a fight, but just present the facts. And, um, you know, that can be really powerful.
0: I absolutely agree with that. It, It really just sounds like, Again, in just my own personal experience, it's like, are you going to sit back and just watch something happen to you, or are you going to do something? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just there is no question. It's just I need to do something, and I'll figure out how to do it as I go. Um, what are some you just named off some things, but if someone did want to get involved, you know, in public policy or you know in in their community of any kind um, for an issue, what would you suggest their first steps be?
1: Well, I would say that the best thing is always to start with your own elected people. So if it's city council, if it's school board, if it's your state representatives, your congressional representative, um, obviously the higher in power they get, the harder it is to get in front of them. Um, But, you know, start with your elected representative. Um, That's probably one of the biggest mistakes that people make in advocacy work is they like start with someone that they can't vote for. And that just isn't, that's, it's not to say that you can't work with people that you, that aren't, you know, don't represent your district, but you build your movement by starting first with the people that you can or can, you know, can vote for. And so, um, so start there. They may not be receptive to you. Unfortunately, you know, some of these issues, either they don't have time, they don't care, or, you know, it conflicts with their party, you know, whatever, right. um, and that's unfortunate when that happens because you know, really, the idea of good governance governance is that you should at least listen to everyone, even if you don't agree. Right. Um, so that that is hard these days because I think politicians it's a it's a real catch twenty two in one sense because. Um, Politicians are taking a beating. They are. I mean, my, you know, our school boards, our school board members have been called soulless demons, pedophiles, um, child molesters, you know, been accused of being part of sex trafficking rings. So, you know, there comes a point at which these people are human and they're just like, I can't take it anymore, you know? But there's a difference between listening to someone who's calling you a soulless demon versus like listening to somebody who you might not agree with, but who comes in good faith to have a civil discussion. Mm -hmm. But um, always start first with the people that were elected to represent you. And I think you'll be surprised, particularly from state level on down, how easily accessible these folks are. They really are. Email um, through their website, different things like that. And just, you know, start asking questions, ask for meetings say, you know, can we sit down? Can we talk about this? Um, you know, that sort of thing. If you don't get anywhere, you can't get any response or, you know, people, whatever they shut you down, then go outside of your particular elected representative and then find someone who can work with you on that cause right.
0: and, um,
1: you know, find someone who is receptive to what it is that you're trying to do.
0: I love that. And then one when- last bit of advice. Um, if someone is scared to do it, what would you tell them?
1: Well, I guess there's one of my favorite sayings is the cost of doing nothing isn't nothing. Mm. Right. So like, you know, I, I remember the very first time that we ever did any type of a, um, direct action when I was with moms and we were just like very first in, in our, we were just like getting our feet wet. We had no idea what we were doing. We were all very green. Um, and, and it, it's kind of, the story is funny. I won't tell it, but it was just a very funny thing that happened and we messed up like a million different ways and it all turned into a
0: disaster. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was, it was hilarious. But anyways, um, I remember that morning I was scared because it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that before. And I remembered what I was fighting for and that was to keep kids safe from gun violence. And I thought, what if this conversation that I have with this politician today, which didn't end up happening, but this conversation that I have with this politician today changes something. What if that this changes a law or, you know, whatever, a policy, et cetera. And that saves a life. Yeah. So I just tried to stay connected to what I was fighting for. And I think that was really what, um, because I, I thought the next time that there's a mass shooting or a child is shot and killed in an unintentional, you know, um, gun situation, how am I going to feel? Am I going to look back and regret that I didn't speak up? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And so, um, that's part, you know, when you're working with something that's as tragic as gun violence, that's part of what keeps me going is knowing that I have to continue to speak because if I don't, there will not be an end. It's not going to, you know, gun violence is not just going to cure itself. And so it takes people, um, to step up and speak about it. And so it doesn't matter what the issue is. No issue ever resolves on its own.
0: Absolutely. Um, I just think you're fantastic and (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. I'm so inspired. I know so many people are going to listen to this and hopefully it's just that last thing they need to do what they need to do. Um, tell people how they can find you.
1: I'm, uh, at Amber for Iowa on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook. You can just search Amber Gustafson, Iowa, um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, Amber is my website, which is still active. And, uh, yeah, I'm out there.
0: Yay. And all the links will be in the description below. Thank you so much for coming on. We're obviously going to talk after those, but <laughs> 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 so much for, for hanging in and just being like, sure, I'll do an impromptu podcast. Cause it's yeah, the worst yeah. <laughs> of its kind. You're just <laughs> badass woman. Amazing. So thank you so much, Amber. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl, the podcast.